you will not be saved by the Holy Spirit. You will not be saved by the God Plutonium. You might be saved by America's most Catholic podcast, though, the Pod People. I'm the Prince of Dankness, Matisse Van Rossum. I'm the scary goop bed sheets. I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I'm the boogeyman. And we are coming at you with our first John Carpenter review since The Thing. Is that right? I think so. Holy bejesus. Too long. Too long it has been. Way too long. That means, if that is true, that means it's been over two years since we've talked about a John Carpenter movie on this podcast. Christ almighty. And that is unbelievable This might be my first, then, because I wasn't here for The Thing. Nope, you missed the thing, and I think the only other one we've done was Halloween, which was our very first Halloween yep. episode. Oh, definitely so. missed that, because uh, y'all are going to hate me for this, but I still haven't seen Halloween, so... Hmm. Well, anyway, um, this week we're going to be talking about my pick, which is the 1987 John Carpenter film Prince of Darkness, uh, starring Donald Pleasance, Lisa Blount, Jameson Parker, and Victor Wong. And it is a film that asks the age-old question, what if Satan was a jar of Nickelodeon slime? What if Satan? What if Satan? As I mentioned briefly at the end of last week's episode, um, Prince of Darkness is the second of uh, what is referred to as John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, uh, preceded by The Thing and uh, followed up by In the Mouth of Madness. I think uh, we'll spend a a decent amount of time talking about uh, why this is maybe one of Carpenter's most underrated, underappreciated films. We did. We did note that on Rotten Tomatoes, this film has a critic or a uh, audience score of fifty eight percent and a critical score of sixty percent, um, which is frankly criminal, in my opinion. I see why it does. I don't agree with it. I definitely do not agree with that rating, but I understand it. Yeah, I mean, like, can you imagine an audience that, you know, came from the thing expecting, you know, a simple creature feature and getting a a super heady film about quantum entanglement? And- well, yeah, I, I think that's that could be part of part of the problem. Um, also, the thing is pretty star studded uh, when it comes to the cast. And also the the thing is fairly conceptually heady when it comes to identity like but it's it's much more around the periphery of it there's heady and there's quantum theory heavy yes no you're true this film is definitely headier um and the the headiness the the academic aspects of this film are front and center i would say this film is more high concept than the thing yes the thing has a lot of its own intricacies as you mentioned about like identity and stuff like that but uh this is a film that is more about like trying to give the uh, superstitious and or religious beliefs of uh, evil a more uh, sort of scientific explanation, which I think is really cool. I think that's what's so unique about this film. Cleve, as is so often the case, you are kind of our sounding board for films like these. I'm baby. (laughs) Completely pure and untainted. As somebody who had never seen this movie and knew nothing about this movie until we watched it, I would absolutely love to get some of your first impressions. Uh, I felt like this movie was made for me. The themes and and the the correlations between like spiritualism and and uh, quantum theory were 
so good. This script, I think, was perfect. The direction, special effects, etc. were near flawless in my eyes. I, I loved all of that. And it was never exactly what I was expecting. My gripe with it is not a strong one at all, but... I do think it also is probably one of the larger factors at play when it comes to why this film was seemingly panned. Uh, And that would be the acting. It's, in my eyes, not good. It's very stilted and artificial and poorly delivered at times. There were a lot of, there are a number of takes where I I really, I was was asking, I think even out loud, like, that's the take you're going to go with? Really? Like, that's that's the one? Okay, Uh, you know, moving on. I kind of lament that. I, I think that this movie could be remade. Uh, I disagree. I also disagree. I well, at the very least, like I, I lament that this movie wasn't made with better actors. I think that the priest does a great job. The dramatic weight of this film is carried on his shoulders. Uh, well, and yeah, I think Donald that the, Pleasance is a great actor. Yeah, Donald, he is. I, I will agree with you in that extent that he is undeniably the best actor in this film mm-hmm. and gives the best performance. And even then, like his his performance is very spooky, which I liked. I I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Um. And and it's fitting. He he. Spooky well, things are happening. He's the he's the spiritual side of of the coin, whereas so many of the other characters are the. Uh, the hard science, logic, reason side, you know. So I think that uh, Donald Pleasance um, being more—I don't know if hammy is hammy's not the right word, but more dramatic than the others, yeah. whereas their delivery is more flat. Uh, I think is appropriate. I I don't hate the acting in this movie. I don't think that there are many great actors in this film. I will agree with that. I think Donald Pleasance is maybe the only great actor in this movie, but. Like, the acting really doesn't bother me. Um, Yeah, and for me, I think the acting is actually kind of good, you know, in performance-wise, you know? Like, think of all of the people that have to act so monstrous in this movie and pull it off legitimately. You have the women that are standing there just staring but are so horrifying in terms of body language and the way... They're expressing themselves. And, you know, you get that amazing scene where um, the guy is singing Amazing Grace. Um, <laughs> that sequence rules. Like, I, 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 will, I will agree. I think that sequence is well acted on his part. Like, that, that actor does a good job then. Before he's taken, there are some sequences where he really hams it up. There's a lot of melodrama from him that, again, like uh, where some of the lines had weird deliveries. And and not just him, but several of the other scientist characters as well. There was like a a hollowness in in their reads that was was strange to me. What Uh, I uh, respect a lot about John Carpenter as a director is... Well, a lot of things, but two of the main things in terms of acting are, you know, he has veteran character actors that become regulars in his movie. Mm -hmm. You know, Donald Pleasant shows up in Halloween. He shows up in Escape from New York, I think. Yep. Um, The Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. um, Victor Wong shows up in Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. The the doctor in this movie, Professor Burak, I think yeah. is the character's name. Victor Wong's character's name. John Carpenter's approach to acting is instead of just telling the actors what he wants, he says, "What do you want to do with the character?" Mm-hmm. And I think in the hands of great character actors and you know character actors that are a bit more seasoned, 
that's a great refreshing thing. You know, yes. usually yes. you're told what to do. And so to, you know, have a collaborative environment, that's really fruitful. However, with, you know, younger actors, that can they be more of a challenge. The direction. That can be more direction. of a challenge. And yeah. I think that can be reflected in it. I Though I, I think that kind of shows how some of that can be put aside when, you know, the the script and the sequencing is good enough. That's the thing. I was thinking about that, too, because we mentioned the acting after we got done watching the movie last night. And, like, I was, I was kind of thinking about, like, well, what is it about John Carpenter's movies where I don't give a shit about the acting? Because that's really what it comes down to. Like, I, I don't disagree with you, Cleveland, that there are some mediocre to bad actors in this movie that don't give the best performances. But what is it about John Carpenter's movies that makes me not care about that? And I can't a hundred percent put my finger on it, but I think that the strength of his concepts and his scripts, as you mentioned, Ben does so much of the heavy lifting that I cannot even be bothered by flat or mediocre performances because I'm so totally engaged in the story that even a bad actor cannot ruin that for me. And I think that that's something that is super unique to John Carpenter, because I do think that if you did this kind of movie with a different director and similar actors and maybe even the same actors, the acting might have bothered me, but it just doesn't. I really like both of your points there. Uh, if I can just break down both what you brought up makes a great deal of sense, Ben. I, I think that a lot of these like younger actors uh, were given too much li liberty and needed some more guidance and direction. And because of that, their character's wills, their intents, and the, the feeling that comes in their delivery isn't there because they don't know how their character is really supposed to be feeling and uh, potentially didn't care enough to. And yeah, that, that definitely comes through. That really checks out in my eyes. And, and then also, to move to your point, Tees, uh, I largely agree as well. It's why I, w I was uh, trying to be very careful with my phrasing there. Like, I'm I'm sad that all the other great things couldn't have been elevated by better performances, but the other things are already so fucking good that like it never ruined the experience for me at all. And I and I don't I don't hold it that strongly against the film, but I did want to get it out of the way. Sure. And I, I it, do think that it, it, it bears did, mentioning for it, sure. I can perceive that that having a greater effect and ruining the film for other people. I'm happy to put it aside, especially when conceptually this film is everything I could want it to be. I don't think this movie is really so much about the characters. Mm. I, I think that in a lot of ways, the characters are pretty secondary. I think Narratively, the most important characters are Donald Pleasance and Victor Wong, because, you know, one of them is a very well-respected, renowned quantum physicist, theoretical physicist, uh, and one of them is a very devout priest. And through the course of the movie, they are both forced to deal with their own sort of crises of faith and they deal with them differently. You know, whereas Victor Wong as a theoretical physicist is more willing to accept things that he can't understand 
Donald Pleasance's whole faith and worldview is like upended and he goes through like a really bad time. And I think that they're both good enough actors that that is the most interesting character stuff and all I really require. Do I really care about Brian Mustache and Catherine Haircut's romance? Not particularly. No. It, it, it makes it makes for a couple of interesting moments and uh you know, it's it's significant to the ending of the film, but also it's not like super on display for a lot of the movie. It isn't for it a great. Sets, it sets it up. It sets up the film and then it kind of closes it out. Yeah, right? I, it, it could have made the sacrifice have a lot more weight to it, uh, be a lot more powerful. Um, I, I, I did think it was powerful. Uh, I'm not saying it wasn't, but I'm saying it could have been even more so. Um, uh, and while by the end of the film, like uh, it isn't that necessary, this film does have a slow build. Yes. And if we could have true facts, uh, uh, enjoyed that build through these characters' eyes more so, it, it would have been, I think, more gratifying. Our, our our protagonist is quite dry. I I feel like I've seen him in other films. I need to, I need to look up what. Uh, and I haven't yet. I was bad. But the sequence with our our two lover scientists when they're first meeting and chatting with each other is is was really dry. Um, and I don't mind dry if if it's you know again like with intent or subtlety uh, actually, or some sort of grip. But that's that that scene uh, really kind of fell flat for me. I just I didn't I didn't really believe it. I didn't get like a a sense of charm in our protagonist's eyes when he's like, hey, let's start over. You know, let's let's try again. Let's go for coffee sometime. And it just it felt I see. I kind of disagree because it's nerds flirting. Exactly. I kind of like it because it is stilted. I, th- I feel like intentionally because they don't completely pick up on each other's social cues. <laughs> yeah, they're both they're both physics students, but she's applied physics and he's theoretical physics. So they're both very differently minded and also not great at like like you said, reading each other's social cues and they're nerds trying to flirt. So I think that the awkwardness is actually I, I find it kind of endearing. He is so handsome though. <laughs> He's a good-looking man with that with his with his mustache and his uh, nipples protruding disrespectfully from his shirt. Damn, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be the bisexual one you're of the spe- group. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to be. Damn, I didn't even notice. Um, I was just too busy to look at that mustache um, uh, and impressed by it, frankly. Uh, yeah, I can I can see that read and I can appreciate it. It did not come across as nerds missing each other's social cues, and a more like it came more across like actors missing their character cues to to me. Um, I think it's uh, a fair read, and I'd be open to watching it again with with that with that in mind. But it's not necessarily how I read it. Regardless, yeah, I, I was not made to feel endeared towards them. Is endeared is that the right word? Uh, is that a yeah, word? I think so. Um, I didn't feel I didn't feel much for him, and I wanted to. I, I definitely wanted to. I'm just glad that the the rest of the movie doesn't have a lot of scenes of them being like lovey dovey during this investigation. Like once they get to the church yeah. and they and the events of the film start happening, like they're very much all business. And I appreciate that because I think like setting up their romance at the beginning is fine. But I agree if it became like a really heavy part of the plot, I think I would have hated it a lot more. I definitely agree. I think the way the this movie is structured in terms of it being kind of a continual escalation throughout the movie. It mm-hmm. kind of for you know forgoes traditional three act structures and just kind of mm-hmm. escalates throughout the movie. is so compelling, um, and I think it's a lot of the reason why the acting 
uh, doesn't bother me too much is because you're really just brought into how <laughs> bad things get. The, con- the, movie. the concept is so strong and it's so and, interesting. And yeah, and- the pacing is flawless and it really is just a perfectly, a consistently steady ramp to build tension like that is is not easy and wow does the score really do the lifting on that one yeah, like this like is the, a- the score just like constantly we're just like we're always like held held by it and this is one of the this is one of my favorite john carpenter this one is my favorite yeah it's even it's it's very similar to the thing it's the same premise of just like bum 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 Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> just like over and over again, just like the dun dun, dun dun. Mm. But it's so fucking effective. Like I, I think that to get back to the the pacing, this movie has one of my favorite, I guess, builds of tension that any movie has. Like the 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 sense of impending doom is so well established from the very very beginning Mm -hmm. like the whole opening credit sequence which is very long and drawn out is just like we're just seeing these little things that are just like we don't know what is coming but something bad is 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 impending and something that has uh, apocalyptic ramifications like you get i think you get that that sense like right off the bat like with burak looking up at the uh at like the conjunction of the moon and the sun and then sort of like the pan down and we see like the swarm of ants which you know insect swarming becomes sort of a motif well it's it's cool we uh we start with both like the macro and the micro mm-hmm. and uh, slowly they converge, uh, and it's cool because the 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 macro is a literal convergence. Uh, we we see this uh, this fucking awesome matte painting of uh, like a conjunction of the spheres uh, in the sky, and it's given just enough attention. anymore. any more would have been too much in my eyes because already like the, that idea of like a conjunction of the spheres, like the planets are aligning, like is is so played. Even then, like was was so played up in fantasy that it didn't need any more attention than it got. It's very dark crystal-y. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, yeah. It's a lot of uh, the great conjunction and uh and it's great it it should be there like it 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 fits the themes so well yeah uh and another thing that on that same note that that works so well for this film is like in the script and in the the dialogue is where focus is placed i think a lesser writer or actor would have put more focus into things like the conjunction of the spheres Mm -hmm. like we would have gotten that moment where they they have to run outside and look at the planets like actively aligning and the right would have been light coming down from the sky and the word satan would have been used way too much you you know what i mean like the and and the the light meets the dark generic stuff would have would have come to the front because the the thing that makes this movie work so well is the way that this very known, very established concept comes into place. And it focuses where it really needs to focus to, I think, keep it fresh and uh, to keep it genuine. Because the the idea is very simple. I mean, spoiler alert, like I think we can get into. Yes. Yeah. Uh, spoiler exactly. alert, like the big event is, of course, like the rise of Satan is the rise of the Dark Lord. Hence yes. the title, Prince, the of, Prince Darkness. of Darkness. Revelations is, you know, comes to fruition and uh, like Satan enters our realm. Dope. I'm, I'm in. Sign me up. Strap me in. Let's see it. And if they had 
played up those things I just mentioned, those those genericisms to uh, absolutely, I, I think almost certainly make up a word uh, uh, where there's a better one that exists. But point is, if if they had focused, if they had played up those too much more, we would have expected something more grand for the finale. There would have been the building would have been on fire. There would have been a giant fire portal. You know, like yeah. uh, it would have you would have come out of the sky. We would have had like Kaiju Satan uh, or something. When you start using words like light versus dark and the conjunction of the spheres and you say Satan's name too many times in your movie, you're priming yourself for that. And they really carefully sidestep that and allow us to be horrified by the way and the simple means that uh, this this event does almost come to fruition and how yeah. easy it almost is. It's yeah. great. Well, they don't even use the term Satan, if I remember correctly. They say they it's the anti-god or something like that. Well, the anti-god, as we learn, is a different character, is the father of Satan, who Satan is trying to bring into our world. I think the only time that the word Satan is used is when um, one of the, the characters is translating that sort of like ancient grimoire, and like one of the one of the lines is like the Prince of Darkness, the one you call Satan, yada yada, such and such, you know. So something yeah. pulled from that that sort of ancient tome of many different languages that has been rewritten and shit written on top of it, so it's very hard to decipher. Yeah. Which is super very cool, super cool because what it essentially establishes like in this canon is that the Satan we understand is almost a representation of Christ. Like Satan is the one that like is, is sent to our realm, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, for the coming to uh, bring forth the heavens. And so it's the reverse. And so it's Lucifer instead. And that's cool. Like uh, that's really neat. The way it's played up as a crisis of faith is so cool because I think that this film actually has a, can be interpreted. Uh, I could be wrong, but the way I interpret it right now is actually pretty positive. Like the way that this film sort of ends with that, because the buildup, uh, sorry to kind of bounce around a little bit, but the, the buildup and the, the main concept and the sort of where we bring quantum physics and Catholicism together is that down on the most like molecular level, right? Like how what what influences these particles, what influences reality mm -hmm. and whatever it is does not operate as it should, does not operate as all of the existing particles above it you know like something something is pulling the strings there and we don't understand what and as the film progresses it's brought to light it's potentially it, it's it's god or it is satan right and yeah. well and the if idea this is, reality exists then there is an inverse the idea is that evil is not simply a spiritual concept but a actual physical force that exists in the universe that like evil is that or that like antimatter is evil and that's why there is the idea of the anti-god like the mirror image so so much of the movie is like trying to explain the i the idea of satan and evil as like a scientific concept which is really cool and i haven't seen that done in any other films and that's why i think that's why i think it's so unique about this movie i hate to say i think there's there's one other movie uh, -oh. uh, uh from around the same time that also uses that uh, a very similar concept and that's ghostbusters <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah the pure evil ooze I'll like like the, the strange force you know there there is nothing only zool like it, it's it's all very similar like it's obviously like a comedy take instead um, on 
uh, unless you're Dan Aykroyd, I, I don't know where the, that stands. But like, it's it's a very similar premise in, in that regard, uh, and I kind of love that, frankly. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. I want to circle back to the use of subtlety and uh, you know, <laughs> the sense after of, mentioning Ghostbusters, the sense of dread a little bit. I read an interview a while back where John Carpenter essentially said he makes two kinds of movies. He makes siege movies and he makes journey movies. And this is definitely squarely in the siege camp. Squarely. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's protecting the world, essentially, in the single environment yeah. from being overtaken by Satan, Satan. essentially. Yeah. And, and to uh, keep the, the church where they physically are from being overrun by uh, demonically possessed uh, hobos. Yeah, played by Alice Cooper and others. <laughs> and others. Um, Literally Alice Cooper. Yeah. Uh, but the inherent challenge of a siege movie is you know you're in a single location how do you escalate tension continually right. throughout your film and how do you keep it subtle so you can continually escalate things without you know blowing your load right away yeah and this movie is such a master class in that because it is just taking you know one scare to the next and really ramping things up one after another you know i think the first kill we get is when the guy tries to go outside and gets stabbed by alice cooper holding a rusty bicycle i love rusty bicycle. i love how after he gets stabbed he falls and just kind of lands on the bicycle yeah. is just propped up um should, should we uh, uh just really quickly for our viewers uh listeners lay lay in the the core plot we've sort of built an image but just for folks who haven't seen it before i mean first off you should just watch it like for god's sakes like it's so good yeah, um it's awesome. it, you know if you're here you're not going anywhere and haven't seen it before just to set it up so we've got you know our, our, our priest and our, our our quantum uh physicist and they've been talking about this weird goo construct for well, a long time the, the priest found a that key in the box remember yeah a an, an elderly priest came to the archdiocese to speak with the bishop and died before he could have his audience and left a a, a little key and a journal which donald pleasance then studies and sort of uh discovers the inciting incident which is that there has been a secret sect of the catholic church called the brotherhood of sleep that uh, great name for thousands of years has been charged with watching over satan which is a massive jar of green goo of swirling green glowing goo and it looks great it looks great you say that and it sounds funny yeah. it sounds stupid but it's actually pretty cool yeah it's like yeah, a, yeah it's a horrifying like sickly vortex you, you'd think yeah. an evil lava lamp would not look as scary as it does but you know the effect is really impressive even yeah. today you know it looks great they've been keeping satan in the basement of this dilapidated pretty much abandoned uh old church just like in in the ghetto like it's next to like a like a one hour photo place so donald pleasance goes to victor wong's character who is the professor of theoretical physics and he 
basically says, hey, we need scientists to come and study this thing so we can figure out exactly what it is. And I mean, we know that it's Satan, but um, figure out how to stop it. So Victor Wong brings his his top students and I, I love the way they set that up, too, because we see them in his class and he's sort of giving a lecture about how, like, the laws of physics break down on a quantum level and stuff that should make sense no longer does and vice versa. And so that, like, at, at a quantum level, there are no real real laws of physics so that, like, anything is possible. So he's basically saying everything you think you know about science, throw it out the window, which is a fantastic setup and makes these people the perfect ones to be brought along on this project where they are studying Satan as a big green goo jar. I love that so much. And it, it's it's very true to like academia as well, where the top minds are are in uh, many cases students led by a professor, and right. uh, the students are free labor <laughs> as yep. well. Well, yeah, he says, hey, if you come if you come stay at this church for the weekend and help us with this project, your grades will go very uh, very yeah. high. <laughs> like it's, it's free labor. As a matter of fact, it's paid labor. Like uh, by 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 the ones working. Uh, very very true to academia and yeah, I'm, I'm a i'm a fan of that that they use it that way and also like that uh that trope as well uh it's uh, rare that i i don't enjoy like the a film that starts out with like a college lecture monologue that has to you know li- sort of loosely ties together the theme of the film yes like it it's a cliche but i i, I think good. i enjoy it every time but and, and this one is well enough researched and also just like is you know what you would hear in a class on as far as i understand it like on like quantum theory like, sure. like okay yeah like that's that's how like a lecture like that would start so it works it works quite well uh, Especially whatever our, our understanding of quantum theory was in 1987, which honestly I don't know. Well, uh, I think I don't I don't think quarks were a thing then because they do they they stop at atoms. They stop at atoms, or they go down. They go down further. Well, they say that that uh, that Satan and evil lives in uh, the spaces even smaller than atoms mm-hmm. in between which everything. We now know like several steps further than then, which I think is very funny. Like uh, uh, looking back now, it's like, OK, because like they go listing down. I'm like, OK, next is quarks. Oh, nope. Oh, Satan's there. OK, cool. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, smaller than atoms is Satan. Yeah, okay. It's all that, yeah, it. yeah. All, that's all you need. Um, uh, and it hasn't aged badly, I think, in that in that sense. No, like, and it's, I don't think you, so. you could very easily just translate, say, OK, after quarks. Now it's that I don't, or now what after whatever else. I don't know enough about science to try to disprove anything. In this well, <laughs> after the movie, I, I said this like uh, halfway is a joke. And that's like you could excuse it away. But I, I personally like I, I'm kind of ashamed to know more about the force than I like than I do like quantum theory like I feel like I should remedy that so hopefully like down the road I can I'm gonna watch some more lecture series and learn a little bit more so that it's because I really should I really should know more about that than I should you know what Star Wars lore it's dumb and if, I, I I need to fix that if evil exists if hell exists hell is being forced to watch this movie with Neil deGrasse Tyson for eternity oh no <laughs> you're so right though oh just like pointing out all the just just smugly uh Actually, pointing out all yeah. of the scientific inaccuracies of Prince of Darkness I, because you know he would he would <laughs> you uh, know he would I he loves to ruin people's fun that's his whole shtick it 
it's become that. I still like Noel Grass Dyson, but that uh, that that is a thing he does, and it's insufferable. It, it's awful. It can be. I hate it. Uh, it can be. It can be a fun way to use movies to learn. But if I'm that's not watching not what... movies to learn, well, what are you talking? If I'm you're trying not. to learn. I'm watching a documentary or something. You know, yeah. fact check your movies graded on a curve. I mean. It's just it's just fun. I mean, it's it's more fun than just listening to like a dry lecture. I don't need somebody to I don't need somebody to explain to me. No, don't say that. I don't need somebody to explain to me why uh, Michael Bay's Armageddon is scientifically inaccurate. Well, then don't listen to it. Like, then tune it out, and that's okay. It's hard to. That's the point. It's hard to tune it out. Yeah, I suppose so. And that's that's fine. That's all fine. You know, you know, I'm not I'm not asking anyone to like it. I'm I'm just saying that I don't mind it. And in some circumstances i think it's fun but uh that's my dumb science bitch opinion yeah shut up science bitch (laughs) it's a quote always sunny everybody believed that because he was so smart he was also wrong making him and everyone else on earth look like a bitch again all right uh so moving forward uh let's should we talk about the ants i want to talk about yeah let's talk about the use of bugs in Bugs. bugs 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 I think uh, the use of bugs is so great. You know, we start with the ants, uh, but, you know, continually through the movie, it sort of escalates the use of bugs. You get the worms on the windows moving yeah. up on the windows. I thought that was an awesome cool, effect. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you get the beetles outside. That's one of my favorite set pieces in the film, I think. There are several skeptical characters uh, who all die off, as is appropriate of the skeptics. One of them gets stabbed to death by one of the hobos outside uh, in the parking lot. But then we see him being um, devoured by beetles. It's never said, and I, I appreciate that about the film. It's, it's all organically, and in this case, literally organically, uh, like played out in the world building. Uh, we we can surmise that the the reason it's hobos at the beginning is because it he can feed off of like weaker minds, you know, weaker creatures, and so it's the lesser, it's the beetles, it's the small insects, the things that scurry that where these patterns start. And uses them to control the, you know, the, the, the homeless, like the destitute. Well, and often, as is brought up in the film, the, the mentally ill, mm-hmm. um, as so many homeless people often are because they are turned away from help, help yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Any kind. One of the characters even talks about, like, you know, a lot of homeless are, are schizophrenic and, you know, usually you see schizophrenics like repeating ticks and stuff over and over again. But I've been watching them and they've all just been standing outside staring all day long they haven't moved at all you know so like the satan's satan is exerting his influence on um on those on those things that are more susceptible to it that have weaker defenses uh and also it just like it just provides a a great reason that they can't just run and get help is because the whole church is just surrounded by an army of hobos and they're in a bad they're in like a bad part of town so there's no like help wouldn't be coming anyway yeah. you know yeah. so the the lines are cut etc yeah. and it, i love that too because because our protagonists have been cut off from the outside world we don't know what's happening right outside and there could be other 
events. There could be other apocalyptic events occurring uh, that we wouldn't know about that uh, are also like foretold and revelations or whatever. And just ambiently being outside of our vision is is, is very cool. Like, uh, and I, I love that how it's set up. And so we should we should just mention once again. Uh, the lead homeless man is Alice Alex Coo- Cooper. Alice Cooper. Yeah, yeah literally. Is. That's not just us making a joke. It just is Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. He even he even recorded a uh, a song called Prince of Darkness for the film that you can't really hear because it's what the first guy uh, who gets stabbed by Alice Cooper is listening to in his Walkman. Uh, is you, it the only time you hear it? You know, yeah, it's you really can, funny. It's, it's only like you can only hear it coming through his headphones. Like wondering. it's super. It's super tinny. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the special song that Alice Cooper wrote and recorded for this. I was well, how about listening that? to John Carpenter talk about uh, having Alice Cooper in the movie, and apparently they had met at a WrestleMania because Alice Cooper awesome. was involved wow. in it. Awesome. And apparently the bike prop set piece, he did it on a, in a stage show. So oh, shit, really? John Carpenter was just like, oh, hey, do you want to do this in my movie? That's awesome. <laughs> That's very cool. And uh, that it's super fun. I, I love how, you know, it was just kind of an organic integration of something that had already been done. That is really cool. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah, just like pulling from life. Uh, like oh that 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 rules that that rules frankly I, I love it when directors like do that yeah just just allow life to to happen you know and then and, and use it in their films uh, that, that's great I wanted I would just like to to quickly mention uh, one of the only other pieces of art that I've I've come across that use insects like this like like the way that they're controlled in such a cool way like there are a lot of dumb movies and things like the mummy with scarab beetles and you know other 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 films that 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 use like insects and the creepy crawlies like tons but that use them so biblically and with such like cool mysterious intent uh and that's uh degenesis like which is a cool like tabletop game and there's some really neat art out there of like what a pull <laughs> insects like making like weird patterns in the sand and like like uh ants that that start like building runes out of their like just because you of some astral yeah i was about to say presence. real heads no yeah phase real four. long fan long long uh listening fans of the podcast will uh remember our episode on phase four about psychic ants underrated movie Movie. That movie fucking rules. Go watch it and then listen to our episode about it. Well, I clearly need to. That, yes. that sounds rad because yes, I, I wasn't here for that one. So. No, this was before your time. The, it was phase four before it was it phase, was phase b- before, before my time. time. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Got to it eventually. It was in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles in this movie with the scene of the him. Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, your favorite Beatles, George, Re- Paul, and Alice Cooper. And Alice Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, with the guy outside reforming. Yes. And the, the Beatles puppeting his corpse. The, the root of my boogeyman intro. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm the boogeyman. That's, when I said, when I said earlier, it was my favorite set piece in the film. That's what I was talking about. Specifically. Yeah. Yes. I find comes back. it's so unnerving. Ugh. The, the vocal effects they give to yes. him. It sounds he, like, like vibrating, yeah, squirmy buzzing bugs. bugs. I've got a message for you. You're not going to like it. Look at his chest. Ready for death. Yeah. The the makeup effects are just so great. He looks like 
the a corpse puppet, being puppeted. Yeah, yeah. You know, a puppet, yeah. And it, it it works so well. I think a lot of the makeup in this movie works so well, but that in particular just stands out because you immediately know something isn't quite right. Yeah, very, very much so. And how it ends with just like his hands falling out of his sleeves and then his head falls off and then his body, the, the suit just crumples and just spills uh, thousands of beetles from uh, within his clothes is very, very cool. Yeah, it's, horrifying. It's so, it's so dope. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, uh, was was definitely struck by it. Wow, what a what a scene. I had to wonder too, uh, Ben. Uh, you were you had mentioned it, but that sequence too. Like we see several moments, like where the beetles on the ground, like the person before he's killed, that mm-hmm. that same person before he's killed, and we see like people walking up to him, like the the homeless guy walking up to him, like over the beetles. Something about it felt like the way it was cut that like they were trying to not harm the beetles. You can see like feet moving over them, and I feel like like they were like held up or something, and they were really trying to not harm the beetles. And yeah, it looks I, great, and you can you can hear like the crunching sounds. I wonder, but you how, don't see any beetles so, get crushed. Yeah, they were able well, because sure it's the shot of their like legs, a, so they could almost be suspended. You know, I'm, I'm sure like, they had a professional bug wrangler. Well, they did. You know? They, they did. We yeah. saw bug wrangler was in the credits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there were two of them. So I'm sure it's kind of just releasing them and letting them do their thing while making sure, you know, you don't destroy them. I might be making this up, but I think the regulations on harming animals in film does not extend to insects. See, I don't think it does either, uh, which would be because I think, I think if, it's pretty. If, I think it's pretty common that like people will actually they'll actually kill bugs and stuff in movies. Right. So what I wonder, like, it would be really neat if they still went the extra mile in yeah, that case, especially no considering idea. that the thing had such a uh, the controversy, the controversy around, around, it, around yeah. it with dogs. If they once again went out of their way to not harm animals would be cool so yeah i'd have to, to research that so uh fairly soon after around the same time we have the giant goo pillar begins to leak and open yes. and the the liquid spills up onto the ceiling and it's great i love that it's yeah. so good it's all practical like you can tell like they it's just, very like, they just turn the shot upside inverted, down yeah just inverted shots mm. but yeah i love that that we always see it we see it dripping up into an ever-expanding pool on the ceiling and uh, and to possess people, it just fires just like a squirt gun into their <laughs> directly into their mouths. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because like clearly like, this water like operates like without like the the confines of like gravity yes. and other yeah. physical like attributes of our of our universe. Well, they even that. they even talk about it scientifically that it's capable of psychokinesis, mm-hmm. the creation of energy uh, with only the mind. Um, to to move objects just by thinking about it, which is is cool. It's just like, yeah, I mean, you'd expect the devil to have you know magic powers like that, but to be like, no, we have science to back it up mm-hmm. is uh, is very fun. Oh yeah, well, and, and also like the forced venture into pseudoscience, um, uh, yeah. you know, being like like uh, psychokinesis and precognition, uh, and and these watching these physicists and and like students slowly recognize that they have no other conclusion to come to yeah and that because of the ticking clock there's no time to like approach it from every angle and disprove they just have to keep moving forward and accept these things and again if there's more dramatic weight in the acting to see these people's comfort in 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 knowledge be be stripped away i I, there, there could have been something more in that i think but enough of that we have our first 
sacrifice who I'm just going to call Princess Diana because she has the Princess Diana haircut conjures a lot of the same imagery it's the same time period uh, so uh, Princess Diana goes down and you know looks up and the, the, the liquid like squirts into her mouth and she is taken over by the she's the demonically possessed mm. yeah and and we get those wonderful sequences of her preying on the others by like doing sort of the you know like finding each coming across each one or luring them into a dark hallway and then like squirting, squirting. the liquid into into <laughs> their mouth um it's very much like the thing in that respect very yes. much like the thing and two i i, I do want to say like we don't get a whole lot of her performance beforehand. She she does a little bit. She's not an important character. That's she, why she's the first to get possessed. She's not. Exactly. Very true. Uh, but when it comes to her as a monster, she's great. And I, I will give some credit to the actress, of course, on that front. But so much of it, too, is the way she's lit and the the direction and the mm-hmm. editing and the sequencing there. I think that, like, John Carpenter knows how to have those horrifying, like, figures, like, standing and staring. Uh, he could have sort of created that sort of monster. I mean, some credit to, like, old Hollywood, but that walking, slow presence that's just there, as opposed to, you know, being chased by the creature. It's it, very it, Michael Myers-esque. It is. Um, it is very Michael Myers. John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he does that shit really well. Yeah, well, she continues to prey on the others. Uh, one of the next people to be preyed on is the scientist who is typing at the computer. The uh, linguist. The yeah. linguist. I love how they, they start talking about code and the biology, the sequencing of this fluid is almost like a language and is almost like a poetry and as these, mm-hmm. these sorts of patterns are starting to overlay. Uh, we're, we're getting something out of this we're getting a, a language that is that is being built out of the 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 muck you know well also of- the the grimoire that they're trying to translate has like very complex mathematical equations differential equations in it mm-hmm. uh which they are quick to note did not exist 2000 years ago like like we hadn't invented differential equations yet so how are they in this book Ooh. Yeah, which is very fun. Turns uh, out Jesus put them there. Yep. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Um uh he turns out he was a really good carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> this this might be a, just a, a a good chance to talk about like the larger lore of this movie, which I think is batshit insane, but I love it for that because oh, yeah. it's so it's so uh creative and clever. Kinda stupid, but in a very good way. Um, essentially, the idea is that the cylinder full of uh, Satan goo was buried uh, on Earth in the Middle East something like 10 million years ago by the anti-god, uh, a god of pure evil that used to walk the Earth but was then trapped within a, uh, a mirror shadow realm, uh, parallel to ours, but uh, but not within. And uh, Jesus was an alien that came from another planet to tell people on Earth about 
the anti-God and Satan who was hiding on Earth. And that's why Jesus was killed, was because they thought he was crazy. Which, I mean, yeah, that like Right. Yeah. So then the Catholic Church was created to protect the secret of the Prince of Darkness and to uh, build a, a, a sort of um, fake religion to give people... Uh, uh, a sort of faith against the literal uh, scientific power of evil in the world. Fortunately, the Christ being an alien aspect is so hardly touched on. Like, it's mentioned it's, once. It's very yeah. insignificant. I I don't think I actually picked that up. Like, when is that mentioned? When they're talking about what they've been able to translate from the book. Right, so far. And yeah. the nice thing about the book is also, like, it's it's clearly written by the bad guy, or so we think, potentially. Or, no, no, is it? Like, it's the Brotherhood of Sleep's book. It's it's, yeah. it's by the good guys. Okay. But the, yeah, the, the book is so complex and nuanced and layered and, and tiered. And it's been written over. Over and over again. Times. Yeah. Um, that it's it's hard to interpret. And also, like, there's there's a cool like biblical aspect there of like the the fact that the book has been rewritten over goes against i think some aspects of scripture where it's like if you if you translate the bible you're you're essentially like breaking it uh which i know that like some theologians like adhere to well i don't think so anymore i mean they didn't translate the bible for a long time because it was to keep priests in in full possession of the knowledge of, yeah, yeah quote unquote holy knowledge course, to keep people in control because if you like give them the tools to read it themselves then they're able to interpret it how they mm-hmm. see fit and no longer adhere to the dogma hence martin luther yes of course also that um of, of course and especially that but but i do believe that there is like some specific quote or something or some some line about change any of these words and you're really fucking up <laughs> is uh, like a, like a, some sort of warning from god i forget where or when but i i do believe that that's in there somewhere i, know, I ain't a theologian but the uh and uh, clearly same uh so, <laughs> uh uh the idea but my point is is that the idea of like that book also having been rewritten and you can almost see where some things have been poorly erased and drawn you know written back over in other languages as people have tried to decipher it isn't it and could potentially mean satanic influence and interference uh, which is quite believable, considering that this vortex can clearly like has an effect over things around yeah, it. Yeah, is able to influence before it's even opened. It. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we planned that, and the parallel, the idea of parallels, is also explained in like quantum theory. You know, um, uh, with things like if you're traveling faster than light, you'd appear to be going in rever- you know the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's a whole plot point in and of itself. Yes. Uh, and it's uh, the the idea there. Uh, they don't use the metaphor in the movie, but it's it's a favorite of mine. Is like when you look at a propeller starting up, and it starts to look like it's going backwards. It's going like it's mm-hmm. slower, and it's going backwards. It's that same idea with light and traveling through time differently. And there's a whole bunch of cool stuff there that it's been a long time since I've educated myself on, and clearly I need to go back. But we were built on the idea of like there just being two parallel worlds, right? There is there is an inverse in this there is a mirror universe and is it ours or the other one that has god or anti-god is it does our world contain god uh, or does it contain anti-god uh, you know in in the other right and which could it be and it's cool because the whole time we have this big pillar that says satan on yeah. it you know it might, might as well have satan stamped on it so we're we're left to think or we're brought up like like the core tension of the film is to make us think that 
Satan's in this one. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I love that. I absolutely love that because that that is on all of our minds up until pretty close to the end. Uh, Very, very close to the end. This whole time, we thought that we were in the good place. Basically, like we th- we thought that that God, was, you know, had an effect on our realm and really it was Satan uh, and potentially was it was the Catholic Church covering that up where they was. Is that the, the grand lie? It isn't until that last part that we realize that this prince of darkness is here to bring the king of darkness. Yeah. The anti-God into this realm, which does mean that God is in this realm, like is in ours. And is a good thing. (laughs) That is that is a positive. Like, uh, and it's it's why I think this film does have a happy. Like, absolutely has a happy ending beyond them just stopping the event. It also says that, like, on a quantum level, God exists, and that's cool. That's that's fun. Like, in this reality, I don't necessarily agree with it, but like, at least in 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 that in this this universe. Well, I I think think is is dark and metal and is is evil and as fucked up as this this movie is like it might still have like a positive i i think it's message. it's i think it's actually pretty ambiguous i think it leaves a lot of that open to interpretation because in one of victor wong and donald pleasance's discussions victor wong brings up he says if if what the catholic church teaches is true and that there is a mind behind the universe that set it into motion a universal mind a yeah. universal mind we have always assumed that that universal mind was in our universe and not the other and not the other but what if it was actually the other, hence the anti-god, that the anti-god is actually the universal mind that created the universe, but is in the, the, the mirrored universe to our own and is now trying to come into ours. So, I mean, I guess you could interpret that as, well, if there's an anti-god, then there must be a god, and... If the anti-god is in the shadow realm, then God must be in our in our world. Um, but there's never any divine intervention in this film. Like there's there's never any instances of something that could be considered God's intervention. Well, well how about the Brotherhood of Sleep? How about the transmissions? Well, the transmissions is in. That's interesting because I don't think that that's divine intervention. I think that that is scientific intervention from people from the future because it's basically they basically say as much. That that part is yeah, I think like relatively well explained and not that. But But the brotherhood, the brotherhood of sleep, and the whole Catholic Church is what was created from Jesus's disciples, who's basically like we need to keep this a secret. We need to keep the the Satan goo a secret until there is science advanced enough to prove it to the world that's the uh, that's the whole point of the brotherhood of sleep but but what i will say uh what i do think is because uh, Jesus, they say specifically from the book, Jesus was an extraterrestrial, mm-hmm. is an alien, not the son of God. Mm-hmm. So right, and and again too, what I, what I like is that because this book has been reinterpreted, we can't necessarily trust anything that sure. comes from it. And so out of that, one one aspect that still does come into place also is actually by the lack of intervention that uh, does not necessarily disprove anything because the events that do occur are whether you know exactly or through metaphor or whatnot 
they are foretold largely in revelations. Um, and, you know, like God does not interfere with the arrival of Satan like that. That aspect is not interfered with in revelations. Um, as far as I understand it, like that, he, he comes through. That happens. Hell, hell comes to Earth. And uh, so by those events occurring or those events occurring does, does not in any way disprove that, that God would not be acting. Well, in revelations, you know? God, the hell comes to Earth through God's will as punishment. Everybody who's righteous ascends to heaven and those who are not are left behind to face the apocalypse. Right. And, and so. as far as we know. Those things could be happening. Those events could be playing out and occurring in this realm. We we don't because again, well, the outside we know, world is is all in periphery. We we don't get we to know see they, it because we we're know held they in this are, one place. We know they are in the future. Hence the the transmissions that are sent back through time as dreams mm. to try to get the people who are in the church to stop these events. Which is a very cool aspect of the film. The coolest. I, I, I definitely like, want to break that down. I like I like that that stuff. Um, I love it because they we realize that all of our characters are having the same dream, and it's from like a handheld camera, all like news footage or found footage or something of the front of the church, and we see sort of like a shadowy cloaked figure emerging from from the the doorway, and there's like a garbled voice. Over the audio it. is so spooky, like it, it's that like lost radio sound, you know, like we are coming through on a transmission yeah, you beyond can, your. Time. You can you can hear bits and pieces of it. And as the film goes on and we see the dream more than once, like you can hear more and more of it. We learn at the very end that they're transmitting from the year 1999 using tachyons, faster than light particles to beam a transmission back to uh back through time oh yeah i've watched star trek um, i know about a tachyon i uh yeah i, I think that, that idea is really <laughs> cool like they say in the transmissions like we don't have sophisticated enough technology to transmit to your subconscious mind so you're receiving this transmission as a dream um which is very cool extremely yeah. cool and it's the same dream that the brotherhood of sleep has been having for uh for thousands of years hence the name which is cool yeah well it's called the Brotherhood of Sleep because they keep Satan asleep. Yeah, They're, they protect they protect and hide the sleeping Satan. Yeah. Well, the need it's a it's a it's a, a, a motif. It, it's, it's a double out. it's a double entendre. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I find all of that super cool. I love the aesthetic of it. Yes, it's it's so very much. lo-fi. It almost seems like they filmed it playing on like a like a, a TV, a or TV. Something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like a CRT. Yeah, like you get this really lo-fi, grainy lined effect with it it's really nice but i think on a more high level i think some of that is kind of divine intervention in a way because it's being allowed to (laughs) happen at all you know if satan did take over you know you you'd think that wouldn't be possible to well it's an idea too where it's like whether christ is an alien or not is kind of irrelevant like like he's still being sent by like some greater force you know like or like some greater body to earth to help uh and also like once again too if he is if he is from this universe if he's an alien if he's like from like some somewhere else in the universe then he's in our realm. (laughs) 
like once again, yeah, you know, I going mean, I to guess state. We're, the, we're just talking about God, like a, an equivalent but mirrored being to the anti God, and that's that's where it's like it just gets semantic. I think, yeah. like, yeah, yes. sure, okay. There's there's a, a an extraterrestrial race that sent one of them to Earth to warn us about this evil this evil deity or whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, what, I mean, sure, you could consider that uh, a type of divinity, but yeah, I mean, like, whether like heaven is a place in the sky or a mothership is kind of irrelevant like yeah, you know exactly. like, and it, 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 i don't think it's worth it's worth arguing i agree and like uh, i think that's why like it's great that it's only like very slightly mentioned in the movie yeah like that 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 idea in particular that one that one concept so going forward uh, as as the characters continue to be picked off one at a time we get we get several like really nice like kill sequences we cut back to the person at the computer like someone else discovers them mm-hmm. and they're they're writing the same thing over i and live over. i live i live i, I live, live. Uh, uh, I love that. And then, and then the the screen is cleared, and they write, uh, "What is it? Uh, no, no, uh, no God can save you. No, you no will go- not be. You will not be saved by the Holy Ghost. You will not be saved by the God Plutonium. In fact, you will not be saved." Yeah, uh, great stuff. And then uh, someone else gets squirted, uh, and we have the. The horny scientist, the young, you know, like the uh, the, the guy who loves making uh, uh, edgy jokes. He's a, he's the most annoying character in the movie. I yeah. kind of hate him, actually. I I would have appreciated him more if like his his delivery was a little felt a little bit more genuine or real. Uh, uh, but uh, considering like the jokes he was making, everything else were very campy uh, uh, throughout. Like even before the tension, it didn't feel like they were being delivered spoken by someone who felt like they were making a funny joke or very flat but anyway he discovers the other scientists who went to was just going to go have a little lie down yep. uh getting their mouth just straight up filled with the the fluid um which has now made its way up to this ceiling from the basement well yeah they uh two of the 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 other two possessed women go down and bring it up we see them bringing it into the room, and it pours onto the ceiling, and then down into, uh, I don't remember that character's name, I'm gonna call her Bangs, um, cause she, she has does bangs, have bangs, yeah. um, pouring into her eyes and mouth. Yeah, and it uh, looks Which is a very, a very cool, uh, shot. Yeah, it's we, a torrent, like, it's just, just pouring in. We see before that she had, like, a, a bruise on her arm that has been, like, getting worse, and it now has, like, a, like, a sort of rune on it so we know that she has been she has been marked apparently as as the host apparently john carpenter saw that symbol on a heavy metal album yeah isn't that on isn't that like the blue oyster cult symbol it might be i'm pretty sure it is like i'm pretty sure the blue oyster cult stole it from like it is an old like alchemical symbol but i'm pretty sure that's what it is it's like an upside down like question mark like with that has like a cross i'm pretty sure it's blue oyster cult (laughs) (laughs) it's one of them uh Uh, yeah so she has that symbol on her arm but yes she has been she has been been marked. marked as the earthly host of satan because in order to access his true power he has to he has to have a take a living host um which is never said and it didn't need to be said which is nice it is said by victor wong oh he, is it he puzzles he puzzles that out oh okay um but it's said amongst like a myriad of other like quantum theory things and sure all the it's all it. the like, other science it's, it's exposition not, yeah like like the the exposition like it always it always feels like people like building on a theory and and discussing something like uh any of the science any of that science talk like it feels organic 
um, for as, as stale and uh, academic as it is. It, it it feels like academics trying to like rule something out, uh, which is which is nice because like, like- we have the priest for the for the the generic delivery of the oh the devil you know that sort of thing. So we can let the scientists you know like rule out the why. And I think part of it is you know there's a lot of lore and ideas going on in this, but the pacing of the film is so consistent and breakneck that it keeps it the movie keeps rolling and moving just you know in spite of that yeah we never we never have to stop too long to to rule out or to there's there's a lot of exposition and it's but it's consistent it's, it's definitely i did not catch it all on my first viewing I certainly um, didn't, as we can see. Uh, there's because there's there's a lot of it, and and I I did watch this movie pretty recently before uh, this viewing, just a couple of months ago. So uh, that's why I I have all of the lore on on the brain. <laughs> um, but yeah, to to keep moving forward, so we can wrap up before too long. So all of the goo uh, goes into bangs. Um, and there's sort of a gestation period. She has a very, a, a distended stomach. She looks pregnant. First time I saw it, I thought that she was going to like give birth to like the Antichrist Yeah, I, I, that's, that's where my, my, uh, my that's head what it was. looks like. And but, I'm so glad they didn't go that way. But route. yeah, it's actually just because her stomach is full of goo. Mm-hmm. Um, and over a period of time, it is absorbed into her system, um, and, uh, radically changes her appearance. Uh, she basically looks like, uh, like a burn victim or what's his face from Hellraiser mid transformation uh, before he gets. The oh, the s- uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Before he gets Uncle Frank, before he gets the skin that he needs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I think is I, th- I think is cool because they mention early on when they're first running their their tests on like the goo, like the, the what the residue that they've been able to get from the 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 lid. Like they do mention that it is corrosive. And you see it like, like her body is like trying to reject it. You know. Yeah, so as it's absorbed into her system, like it is like corroding her flesh. One thing that I do think is pretty funny, and I don't know why the decision was made, but I do appreciate it, is that her haircut remain her hair remains uh unchanged so she's like uh like a skinless zombie creature with like blonde bangs and a ponytail <laughs> which is a pretty funny visual also kind of horrifying yeah oh, it's it's ghoulish yeah. uh like the charring around her eyes and she makes those wide expressions with those like almost like uh reptilian features now that yeah. like so much of the skin has been uh, uh, eroded, um, and her, yeah, like her, her calling out and just going like, "Father, Father," <laughs> is great uh, too, because like uh, so often the like that that calling out in a, in a Christian context, like that calling out for the Father is like Christ calling out, you know, like asking why he's been forsaken, and and to you know like to have it be like a calling, like Father, I'm coming for you, come to me, yeah. come come to freedom, yeah. <laughs> is one of the actual lines, is which it? is great, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, uh, when she would when, when she gets to the big mirror because mm-hmm. we we learn real quick that uh the the mirror dimension can be accessed through actual mirrors uh which is pretty cool uh first she finds like a little a little a cosmetic mirror and like sticks her fingers into it but it's too small mm-hmm. so she's got to go find a bigger one 
Um, they need a bigger mirror. Need a bigger mirror, which is great because one of the other zombies has spent like the last 15 minutes of the film prior to this, like in front of a large mirror, like stroking it and like laughing. And it's like we just assume it's crazy zombie. Right. It's just like admiring its own reflection or whatever. But no, it's because like, yes, this mirror is a large enough portal to bring through uh, the anti god. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, the the effect of like the reaching through the mirror like what we see of the other side is very fucking cool it looks so good it looks amazing still uh and and whether it's like like the reaching in with like the cool glowing effects uh which which like you you get like, like they're just like like working over the top of the celluloid like look awesome still do or like yeah like the the reaching into the mirror from like yeah as we're looking from the shadow realm that the hand reaching into the darkness yeah and it's it's what like so liquidy like they're obviously they're doing it by like shooting underwater and like this they're reflecting a light off of the surface so they can make it look like a like a glowing portal but the effect is so cool because like they have her reaching in there slow enough that it's not creating like a bunch of bubbles it doesn't look just like underwater but it does have like a very liquidy kind of I almost wonder if there's like there's something um they had like another liquid on the surface of 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 the water like uh that was a little bit thicker could be to like reduce that because yeah it's so crisp like uh i think it's just because they they just do it slowly enough Mm -hmm. because later we do see more bubbles when um well, we see the we see Satan reaching in, and we see uh, a dark hand reach out to grasp hers, and she's starting to pull pull it into our world, which of course is like a perfect parallel to like let there be light, right? Right, like like the 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 touch yeah, there, exactly. and, and uh, let there be darkness instead. Extremely cool. The the hand that they choose is very classic devil cloven you know yeah uh it's red red, <laughs> red skin black nails uh yeah it's, it's great it's, it. it's great i love it well it's like it's not bright red too like it's like a deep it's like dark, dark red yeah. yeah but it's red it's it's definitely red uh but i i like that we don't see any more of the anti-god than that um definitely. that and and the the silhouette in the doorway in the uh in the the dream transmissions it's all you need to see Oh, it's better for it. But uh, one of our protagonists, uh, Catherine Haircut, sees this happening, yep. sees uh, the, the anti-guide being pulled into reality. And at the same time, uh, her her uh, boyfriend, love interest, is, yeah, is Bill, being uh, strangled. Brian Mustache. Yeah, yep. and she has, she has this, this uh, you know, crisis. Do I save him? Do I help him? Or do I stop this horrible event? Right. And uh, she... Makes the right choice. She makes the right deci- decision and... Uh, becomes a a Christ figure and sacrifices herself for the world uh, and shoves uh, Satan into the mirror realm and goes in with her and then Donald Pleasance throws the fire axe at the mirror, shattering it and uh, and severing the 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 connection. That shot of her on the other side oh, as it the looks so good. like as the light flickers and goes out as the connection is severed, we just see her like being pulled back into the darkness. Talk about a horrifying fate. Yeah, the worst exactly. way to go. Yeah, pulled pulled into a a uh, mirror dimension occupied 
occupied by the anti-god and now Satan, whose plans you have just foiled. Like, yeah, that is that is a, the a worst fate, way to go. A fate worse than death, truly. And uh, yeah, so so uh, once once Satan is sent into the the shadow realm, uh, <laughs> the zombies and the possessed go back to being normal. Um, dead. Well, dead. The the hobos go back to being normal. They just disperse. Oh yeah. The uh yes the the ones who were possessed by the green goo are just dead. We see the the smoke coming out of their mouths and dispersing. Which also looks great. Um yeah totally. Yeah. I love how uh Donald Pleasance's character uh takes full credit for saving the day as he's being wheeled out on the gurney. He's like. I did it. I stopped that vile serpent. And now and now everything is okay. It's like, well, you broke the mirror, but you yeah, didn't way, sacrifice way to take, yourself. Way to take credit. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. Pretty funny. But then uh, I, love, I love the way this movie ends because we see the transmission again, the dream, and it's the same, except instead of that dark, cloaked figure, we see Catherine's silhouette, and she comes out of the church, and we usually it cuts before the figure can come out of the church, but we see her come out into the light, uh, and she she T-poses. To assert her dominance. <laughs> to assert her dominance, and they, we zoom in on her face, um, and then, you know, it, uh, it Brian Mustache wakes up, and they do the the thing where he wakes up from a dream into another dream because he rolls over and sees uh, Satan in bed with him. That gif goes around the internet a lot. <laughs> I, I feel like people who haven't seen this movie might recognize that moment. But then he wakes up again. But so it's like, well, is he just traumatized? Is that is that dream still a transmission? Well, Have they stopped one horrible fate for another? You know, well, I love it, too, because the shadowy figure in the transmission, I think, has always been Catherine. No, it's definitely it's like, a different it's a different silhouette. Well, you can't really completely tell. It's yeah. very well, because here's here's the thing about it. Like the because the it's, it's, yeah, but it's I could bald, be wrong about this. It's bald and it is wearing like a flowing cloak and has like claws like it's it's a very, very different silhouette. So I couldn't really make out claws and such i'm not saying they weren't there uh uh they you've seen it twice recently um uh but i i just i saw like shadowy figure like uncertain and it says i think i i'm pretty sure too like the the transmission says through time as well like through space and time like we are we are transmitting and yeah they say they're transmitting from the year 1999 so they're transmitting from the future yeah and and so like it's her calling back before she's gone through i mean it's, it's like it was was the impression i got like and the, the picture is blurry and it's distorted and now and look whether it's like it's physically like distorted like with the grain or it's distorted by another figure like like a shadowy object uh, that we perceive as as evil and it's not until like the like the the signal becomes more clear we realize it's catherine that that was the impression it's, that i was under. That's, that, it's like not, it's it's, it's her projecting like back from the future and like that it's you know like but we're we're getting like a like a psychic wave like from that from that moment. Well, the thing I really love is how ambiguous all of it is. I think the final shot of the the movie just kind of sums it up perfectly mm-hmm. because you know it isn't completely clear what that figure is necessarily, and I think 
having him put his hand towards the mirror and you know cutting before we get to it yeah kinda, i love that it, you know it kind of emphasizes that we don't really know if they've really stopped the anti-god at all right. or if they just delayed it slightly right well that's that's what i'm saying because like the figure that they see is different it just is like i can once we stop recording i can pull up and we can look oh i'm never saying like the figure wasn't um, different like i'm just saying distorted i think i think that the idea that ben is saying exactly what i was trying to say is like is that just brian having a bad dream because of the trauma that he's experienced or is he getting a transmission from the future and they've altered the future but not enough that instead of the the figure of the anti-god that they were seeing coming from the church before, now it's just Catherine or whatever is possessing Catherine, if it's still the anti-god in just another form. Interesting, yeah. Because it is, it is definitely a different form. Yeah, and I think that that ambiguity is great, and to have the last shot of him reaching towards the mirror slowly and... To have it cut to black and roll credits just the split second before his hand touches the mirror is fantastic. And it's like, yeah, did they did they really stop the apocalypse or did they not? It's just like at the end of the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, did they kill the thing or is one of them the thing? Yeah. Like, you know, it's uh, and John Carpenter is fucking awesome at that. I agree. Like the, yeah. the ambiguity is is definitely what sells it. But yeah, like just just to, just to, like in, in my defense, like like with that is I'm, I, I never said that, like uh, the shadowy figure was literally Catherine beforehand. Like, yeah, it, it's clearly a robed person or, or whatever um, it is. But that that is not the reality that we're seeing because it is so distorted that it could still be Catherine. Um, but we, we don't need to get into it. Like the, the, I, I, I love that it could be, or at least I, I still feel like it could be either. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm just, I'm I think the idea is that it's it. just the same fate, but in a different form. Anyway, go watch this movie and let us know what you think. Let's, uh, rate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. It's time. it's time. Um, yeah, no, uh, as, as I've mentioned multiple times, this is one of my favorite, uh, John Carpenter films. Um, doesn't quite reach the heights of the thing in my opinion, but it is very, very close. Um, no, and- it really needed a Kurt Russell figure. Like, like I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would have wanted uh, Kurt Russell in this movie. Um, Not Kurt Russell being Kurt Russell, but like a I mean, I, I mean, a, a Kurt actor. Russell. I yeah, don't know yeah. if I would have wanted a Kurt Russell. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think your I think your complaints about the acting are are valid, Cleveland. Um, and and I do find uh, the the one jokey character pretty obnoxious. I don't love him. Um, but it's it's a near perfect film in my opinion. But because it doesn't quite reach the same heights as the thing. I'm not going to give it uh, a perfect five out of five, but I am going to give it an extremely powerful four and a half out of five. Well, for me, it's a five out of five. It's a top five John Carpenter film for me. I think the score is John Carpenter's best. I think a lot of the scares are John Carpenter's best. I think the heady nature of it is some of the most interesting material John Carpenter's worked Mm -hmm. with. Um, I think this is just a a perfect movie. I think even the acting 
doesn't detract it for me. I think it's just such a fantastic, fantastic film. Definitely a, a 4.5. Um, cause, cause again, like the, yes, the acting, uh, is, is not great in my eyes during many occurrences. It never ruined the experience for me. Like I, I, I adored, I, I adore this film and everything else is so perfect. I'd, I'd have a hard time rating it less than, than 4.5. It, it, it rules it. Uh, and I definitely need to see it again. Yeah. This is definitely a film that I think you gain more mm, from on but, repeat viewings. Yeah. It definitely is the case for me. Oh yeah, most certainly. But yeah, I, I do, I do think that there is like, there's, there's some degree of positivity in the end only because like if, if the anti-God is on the other side of the mirror, then that means the, the, the God, God is on this side, like, Unless like God by proxy. Dead. Well, yeah. How would Nietzsche feel about that? I don't know. Well, I'll, maybe we'll, we'll have to ask him. Yeah, let's get him on the podcast. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's Next week, up. we'll have Friedrich, we'll have Friedrich Nietzsche on the podcast. Yep. Sweet. Yeah, well, that will give Prince of Darkness a average of 4.7 out of 5 pods and uh, definitely a recommendation from all three of us. Go see it. Go check it out. Next week is Cleveland's Choice, and uh, you have picked a new film for us to watch right a relatively recent one i think it just came out didn't it yeah, yeah. oh yeah i have um is it psycho gore man that's is that it what it's called that's the one thank you because i was about to ask i couldn't even remember the movie you picked man that you know like that, that's just that's the way it goes around here uh i've been I, hearing some very I was positive very excited buzz. By i've been it. some very positive buzz around this one the trailer looks awesome and if it if it holds up uh, it's it's the same folks who made the void, uh, which was built around practicals, uh, and the the premise is '90s kid show horror, and uh, but but re- but horror horror with like a body horror twist, and that sounds like everything I love. Uh, I think we can look back at my picks and sort of observe that. Sounds right. So yeah, I'm going current. I'm going current with the choice. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna yeah, hit up a uh, psycho gore man and and see how it is. See how it. How it holds up. I'm. I, I want it to be good. I, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, also, this Sentai horror. The, yeah, exactly. Uh, this episode uh, was was brought to you by Nickelodeon. Uh, it's slime time. Ooh. Oh, God damn, that's so, so good. good. There you go. There you go. That's our sponsor this oh, week. Yeah, that's maybe one of your best. Thank you. Um. All right. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you like the show, you can. And how uh, could you not? How could you not listen to this? You just listen to this great episode about this great movie mm-hmm. and you're feeling great about it. And uh, so you're going to go to Apple Podcasts right now and smash those five stars and you're going to leave us a review that tells us how much you love us. It was and, written in that book by the Brotherhood uh, of Sleep. You got to right, get those yeah, five stars. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was foretold. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell us why you think that it's cool that Jesus was a space alien. Um, and you can also follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Um, I am on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios. We put out progress on It Stares Back. And boy, how do we got some good stuff coming soon. We're just finishing up the VO as of recording. Um... Uh, and pretty much everything else is ready to roll. So yeah, we're looking forward to that. So stay tuned on that front. You can check us out on on our uh, our Discord group as well. But if you search lightarkstudio.com, it all pops up. And if you just want to see some cool spooky artwork, 
Um, uh, you can check out my name, Cleveland Mosier, on ArtStation uh, for some other awesome, cool illustrations. And hey, you know, maybe you had a cool dream recently. Maybe you, you saw this this strange figure or maybe you've been playing D&D and you've got a fun character and you want to see it become realized. Well, I take commissions every once in a while, too. So hit me up. Uh, always happy to, you know, maybe uh, paint up your, you know, make your character come to life a little bit more uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Uh, and I think that's that's about all from me. Uh, my legs are asleep. I've been sitting cross-legged uh, for most of the podcast and can't move them. So uh, I'm, I'm about ready to roll. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that'll do it then. Um, until next time, this has been the pod people transmitting from the year 1999. Gonna be. He spits on life. He spits on.